0: It's the gentle ocean breeze that sweeps you off your feet. The 99 holes of championship golf that offer endless possibilities. The small town southern charm that embraces you everywhere you go. From the beaches in the east to the marshes in the west, there's a special feeling you get on Amelia Island. It's a real thing. It's an island thing. Make it your thing. Start planning your Northeast Florida beach escape now at AmeliaIsland.com.
1: Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Deborah Hatswell and you are listening to BBR Investigations. Tonight I bring you a wealth of reports from all across the UK. We will visit the cryptid hotspots of Canic Chase and the Northumberland Hills with a couple of new reports that have come in to BBR. Each case tonight is unique in its own way. Let's start in the Midlands with a report from a gentleman who I spoke to very recently when he shared his experiences with me. In a country lane in Kingston Staffordshire, a number of young boys were confronted by a very strange sight indeed when they were out in the fields. Many years later, one of those boys, now a grown man, contacted me and shared his experiences and others with a phone call. He kindly allowed me to transcribe the call and share it with you all. He said, This happened a long time ago now, Deb, but I've never forgotten it. It's still as clear now as it was in the late 1970s. I was in a group of five lads and we were walking the fields. The end of Church Lane, there's a woodland that you can see on the map. And there's a new track there now that leads to the field, but back then we followed the old path which is still visible on Google Earth. We would all gotten walkie talkies for Christmas that year and we were all out in the fields using them. We split up across the field and moved closer to Tad Brook, testing the walkie talkies capabilities. There was snow on the ground, it was between Christmas and New Year. We jumped across the brook and on landing we found some strange prints in the snow. They had a square heel and what looked like three toes. The prints were really weird. They weren't huge. I wore a size 9 at the time and I placed my Doc Martin next to the prints and although it wasn't as long as my foot it was twice as wide. We were really puzzled as to what could have left these marks. In hindsight I can't see someone out in the fields leaving strange footprints in the snow for boys to find. The prints were strange but what amazed us the most was the length of the stride between the prints. The stride was huge and we all tried to match it but we couldn't. There was a field just to our right and there was a hedge separating the two fields. Whatever left those prints had jumped the hedge. On one side of the hedge there were two prints side by side and in front of those prints there were distinct claw marks in the mud and snow as if the jumper had used their hands as they landed. We followed the footprints across the field into the next one, and they were all trodden down then by cows, and we couldn't follow them anymore. By this point, it was starting to go dark, and the temperature dropped. So the fields began to become foggy. We could hear dogs barking in a farm beyond the fields, and that was our escape route. But it was really spooky, and we didn't want to go that way because the idea of running into farm dogs wasn't welcome. We didn't want to go back the way we came, as the prince had spooked us all out. So we volunteered my eldest brother to run across the small footbridge and seeing he was safe we made our way across. We skirted the woods and the fields and we set off for the village and we made a plan to go back the next day with my mates ex- Alsatian and cameras and see if we could look for the maker of those prints or even get a photograph of them. Of course it snowed all night and the next day so that put paid to that idea. Nothing happened then for maybe 18 months, give or take. That summer, it would have been 1981, when I was 12, we were out in the bigger woods, which we call Bromley Woods. There were only three of us at the time. We'd go through there and camp, you know, and have a cook up and mess about. There's a track that runs through the wood that makes a large square and there's a large population of deer and shootings allowed in the area. As you walk the track, there are deer stands set up in the trees so people can hunt. And we're on our way out of the woods. And as we turned the corner, we could see someone up in the deer tower. We didn't know if we were allowed to walk in there or not. So, seeing the figure, we all got down into a little ditch so we wouldn't be seen. We kept peeking out, but the figure stayed put. We hunkered down and said, Right, we'll have a quick smoke and then wait, make our way out. And the next time we looked, the person had gone. The stand was empty. So we went up there and we could see quite far. We were messing about as kids do and we found some grey fur up on the stand. And we all found this strange, as usually, when you take an animal, you dress it on the ground. It doesn't make sense to drag it 30 foot up a tree. They are not light animals and quite cumbersome to carry. I couldn't understand why the fur was up in the stand. In hindsight I wish I would taken some and kept it, but we were so confused by it I didn't think to take any with us. We stayed there for about 15 minutes and then we set off again heading towards Bromley Road. The track that takes you to the road is very overgrown and the path turns in places and you can't see what's up ahead or around the bend. The path's really narrow so you usually have to walk in single file. I was in the middle with my friends being in front and behind me. And as I walked, I looked to the left, and I saw the strangest thing. The only way I can describe what I saw was that it looked like a set of those furry boots that you used to see on Sky Sunday back in the 70s. It looked, for all the world, like two of those. And they were walking parallel to us. and They were grey and furry, like the fur in the stand earlier. Whoever this was, you couldn't see the top half of them. But they were coming our way, and at that point, my friend out front stopped dead in his tracks, he'd seen them by now. We all realised what we were seeing was wrong, and we legged it as fast as we could in the opposite direction. We had some camping bits with us, like a sheaf knife and a frying pan, but we didn't know what to do. What made it worse was the two lads I were with, were with me when we saw the strange footprints, and that really spooked us all back. After the years when we'd spoken about what happened, nobody's ever believed us and they presume we made it up or were mistaken. All of us are prepared to be hypnotized to see if we can remember anything more about that day. Not too long ago, I was round at a mate's house and we ended up talking about strange things as we were watching a program on the telly. So I told him what had happened all those years ago, and as we were talking. You came on the telly and started talking about the weird things that people see in the UK. And that's why I emailed you, Deb. I chatted with our witness about all of the reports that do come in from the Staffordshire area and the possibility that my listeners and members may know of other reports of three-toed prints and I could then share them with him. He went on to tell me about a work colleague's experience with a large cat seemed really close to the sidings, and he said, I worked for Railways in Stoke, and I remember being at Rugeley, I think it was in 1991, and I was in the cabin of a shunter. Another driver would take over while you had a break, and the driver unloads my coal train, and the shunt would go down to the bottom of the sidings in the van and pull the points for the next train coming in. The shunt came back as white as a sheet, and he said that he'd seen a huge black cat jump the pipes down at the bottom there and the pipes were about eight feet high. I really enjoyed talking with our witness and sharing his experiences and mine with him. Now Cannock Chase like Sherwood Forest was far bigger and more heavily wooded and stretched for miles and miles back in the past. In January 2003 a story surfaced that centred on the chase when Peter Rhodes of the local Express and Star newspaper wrote an article on an extraordinary encounter on the chase. Mr Rhodes reported under the graphic and memorial headline of Night Terror with the British Bigfoot. Mr Rhodes said, whatever it was, it scared the living daylights out of Craig Blackmore. And his mother Val said, I've never seen our Craig like that before. He came home shaking absolutely petrified and white as though he'd seen a ghost. What Craig and his friend saw was not a ghost, but a huge ape-like creature standing at the side of the road on Leavedale Lane between Stafford and Penkridge. Craig told Peter Rhodes, and was driving before Ford Fiesta down the road towards Penkridge, and as we approached the house, it must have triggered a sensor or something because the security light came on. And In the light I saw something out of the corner of my eye and it was moving and coming towards the car running very fast. It wasn't a dog or a deer, it was running like a human would run but it was really dark and hairy. It came level with us and tried to jump at the car but thankfully it just missed. My friend turned around and said it was huge and it had run through the hedge and across the field. I turned the car around, but there was no sign of it anywhere. Craig's mum added, I thought maybe Craig had been drinking, or perhaps someone had spiked his drink, but after checking I knew that hadn't happened, he's a very truthful boy, he would not say something had happened if he hadn't, and anyway his friend was in the same state of shock that he was.
0: Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void web prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Mr. Rhodes noted, although the event had been terrifying, Craig, a 19-year-old heavy goods vehicle mechanic, didn't report it to the police. He told a few friends and they all laughed uh, so he just tried to put the experience behind him. If you remember, it wasn't too long ago that a witness in Ireland described a hairy set of legs she saw crossing the road when she was driving and a lady in the northeast of England also saw a pair of large hairy legs as if something was watching from the overgrown embankment as she walked by. Maybe it's the witnesses' perspective or their eye level that they're on and this is why they've only seen the feet, legs, I don't really know what you would call them of the creature possibly, but that's three, you know, in the UK alone. I'm very interested, obviously, in the three-toed print, and I have heard about them before, uh, normally when it comes to dogmen, to be honest. So if you've got any information on that, I would love to know about it. Now, Cannot Chase is very well known for its Bigfoot and Dogman reports, but so is the northeast Coast. One area that has had repeated number of hairy ape man reports is Bollum Lake, And last month, a new witness came from the area, contacted me and shared an experience that happened to him in 1985. Now, Stu Hill will be investigating this case and he's planning to visit the area, which he knows well. In fact, he's ridden there on his bike, just like the witness did. Now, our witness at Bollum Lake is named Mick Brown and he didn't mind me sharing that with you. And he said, hi, Deborah. Something's really bugging me at the moment because I came across a post on Google by someone who witnessed the thing at Bollum Lake that had chased him and that guy said it was built like an Olympic athlete. Finding this report has made me want to share something that happened to me when I was at Bollum. What that guy said about the Olympic athlete has rung so true and it is also something that happened to me in the same area. This thing that I saw was fast. So fast and powerful, even the scrub, bushes, branches and rhododendrons just shattered around it as it came into the open and ran full tint towards me and my friends. I was 19 back when this happened, so it was 1985 when I was out with my friends. We'd all gone up to Bollin for a day out and a picnic. I remember being a bit annoyed. Because one of our group had come up with the idea of going there, his reasoning being it's not far. It was bloody miles away and it kept raining as we journeyed towards our destination so I was getting soaked. Anyway, we eventually arrived, pulled into the car park and there's some sort of hut or toilet block which we stood our small motorbikes next to. Nothing looks out of the ordinary, but I was immediately on edge. I couldn't place it, but you know, hey ho. So off we went, we walked to the left, tracking along the edge of the lake, which was to my right. There seemed to be a rough, trodden footpath, so we followed it for some distance. It seemed to get dark under the trees and I remember thinking something really doesn't feel right. I felt as if we were being watched the whole time we were walking. Eventually we broke off the trail, went down to the water's edge, spread out a blanket, Ate our sandwiches and had a you know, had a cigarette, etc. We were eating and talking, and we'd been there a while, when way off to the left in the distance, I could hear something loud, and it was sort of crashing about in the bushes, but it seemed a long way off. But I remember the hair going up on my neck. I stood up, looked around, but as I backed away from my friends, the noise was getting closer. The whole situation felt angry and wrong and I said to my mates, can you hear that? So they stopped and listened and they just dismissed it and it got louder as it was definitely coming towards us. I said to them, hey that's coming towards us and they got really impatient with me. All of a sudden whatever this thing was it burst into a clearing nearby making this horrible sound. It seemed to be dark indifferent to the dark around it. I could see dark movement. I couldn't make it out but there was something very large in there but it defied any definition that I could give it. I freaked and ran and this thing followed me. It was so fast it came roaring out of the trees, set off after all of us as by now my mates had got up and were running away from it too. We could hear branches and foliage that was just splintering around it as it charged after us. One of my mates who would not really heard anything suddenly went sprinting past me. He screamed, it's coming, it's coming, don't look back. We reached the car park and I remember praying that my motorbike would kick over and start straight away. And to this day, I am so thankful that it did. Whatever this thing was, it was massive. It was really huge. And then this thing burst into the open to our right. We were able to tear out of the car park. I was some miles down the road before I realised I still had my helmet on my arm. So I pulled over and I put it on. My mates pulled in behind me and we were shouting and laughing and in shock all at the same time. Even to this day, we've never ever talked about it. Whatever it was, it was fast really fast and powerful. I felt it was almost like, I don't know, the pull to stand still and look at it was really overwhelming. I had to fight against that, almost snap out of it and run. It made a low, horrible, roaring sound, followed by a high-pitched kind of whine. I just remember trying to look at it and it sort of swallowed the light around it. It was perfectly camouflaged and yet the projection of outright rage and hatred that came from it was like a thump in the guts. It was that thump in the guts that made me snap out of it and allowed me to run. This event was back in 1985 and I was 19 at the time and I've never ever gone back there and I never will. It's hard to describe it but it was definitely tall not massive like a lumbering beast, it was limber and it could just stride over and through anything in its path with ease, it didn't move like a man, I am convinced it was definitely not a man. I can't explain it but it was almost like the light was bent around the space it occupied somehow, making it seem much darker, like it was a shadow. This really happened to me, I can still picture it to this day. And I shuddered to think really what would have happened if I'd just stood there like I felt I was being compelled to do. I hadn't realised until doing research there's a hill fort really close to the lake. I remember hearing stories as a kid of people disturbing stone carved heads near sites like these and being chased by dark beings like I experienced. Anyway, thank you for believing in me. I know this happened. I actually feel sick in my stomach when I think back to it, and I also feel lucky because this thing really meant harm to us, Mick Brown To date, as far as I am aware, all of the reports at Bollam Lake encircle the lake itself, or are at the car park. Neil Robson also saw a dark figure at Bollam when he was fishing with friends in two thousand and three. Neil explained to the Fortune Society that he was walking between his friends, Neil and Nathan. The men had been fishing and they were walking on a wooden path back to the car park just after midnight. About halfway along the path, Neil turned around to talk to Nathan as he was further back. He had been sorting his fishing gear out. Neil explained that behind him, standing at the side of a wooden track, was a dark figure, highlighted by the moonlight shining through the trees. The others did not see it at first and Neil pointed it out to them. He said the thing he saw was a dark figure, it looked about 8 feet tall, it was heavily built. Its eyes, or what seemed to be its eyes, glowed in the darkness. Neil said, we ran, top speed, all the way back to the car. We were scared out of our wits. One of the men with Neil that day, he was also called Neil. his own experience on a night fishing venture not too long after that. He described the creature he saw this time as dark brown in colour with huge muscular arms. He said that a few weeks later while camping on the hill he was woken about 1am by a loud thud. He heard a growling sound and the sounds of something rummaging in his bait box outside the tent. When he checked the camp in the morning he discovered large rocks had been placed thrown around the camp and the fish from the bait box had been taken. In the same year, a lady and her son also saw the creature for herself. She explained that as she walked across the car park with her son, she was shocked to see a creature just standing motionless in the nearby trees. They both felt a feeling of fear, a rush of trepidation her name is Naomi, and she described the creature as a huge black figure, like an enormous shadow, only dark and solid. This description was similar to the other sightings that had earlier occurred at Bollum and very similar to what Mick Brown saw. Another regular visitor to the area and a well known bushcrafter in the UK is a man many of you will know, Fell Wanderer. Over the years, of reports of unexplained creatures and events come in from the northeast of England. Fellow wanderer shared them with me, and after a conversation with the witness himself, he would ask if it was okay to pass it over to me. And I'm very grateful for Damien that he does that. Here are some of the reports that he'd sent me when he released a video in March 2019 that he shot at Bollam Lake. People from across Northumberland began to share their own experiences too. Fellwanderer said, Hi Debbie, I've camped in the forest up there a few times on my own and I've heard strange sounds. You hear wood knocks and tree breaks happening in the early hours of the morning when there's no wind and no one around for miles or anyone out camping with me. Who could be climbing around out there? It's so far, to walk walking. I've seen possible footprints and recorded a wood knock response to my tree knock. I have seen trees snapped in unusual ways, I have seen one snapped in a W shape. I found sheepskin and wool remains tucked up in a tree, and what looked like a sheep that had been sheared on the edge of the forest. The wool was also found further in the woods as if it had been dragged through there. One guy told me that while camping he had his titanium kettle crushed when there was no cattle in the field. Another person said while he was camping at Thrunton Wood. He went to investigate a noise and when he returned to his camp he found his tent had been messed with. One farmer Damien spoke to said he saw an unusual dark figure in the field and he saw a deer that was similar to the sheep that Damien saw. He would also seen tree snaps and strange things in the woods at the farm they have chickens and sheep and tools and corn that go missing. Fell Wanderer said the farmer had a hammer thrown at him when he was in the shed and this was about midnight when he was checking on the lambs so that would have been this around this time of year. He saw the big figure as it came through the main yard one night as he was just coming out of the field. They had about 30 hens go missing over a year and there's a farmer along the road who's had sheep go missing too. One thing I found strange was he said when his tools go missing on the farm he'll find them a few weeks later in completely random places. Now another listener to my podcast sent me a strange report from the Simonside Hills and he came across a story on the local news channel where someone had discovered an empty abandoned tent in the Simonside forest that had been left. Whoever set this camp up left hastily with the remains of their very expensive equipment lying around on the ground. It was thought at first that someone must have had an accident and then the mountain rescue team had come in and taken them away. After two days, somebody phoned the police and said it was their tent and their equipment, and they'd been scared after hearing frightening sounds in the forest that caused them to panic and run back through the woods to the car park. Now, the story appeared on the news at 10 and several daily newspapers at the time. I did manage to track down the newspaper story, which was published on the 12th of December 2006 and was titled Scared Campers Solve Mishra. It was reported that the police had managed to trace the two gentlemen who would abandoned the camp and left all of their belongings behind. The gentlemen explained that they left the woods after a terrifying night where they heard strange noises around the tent. If those gentlemen are out there I would love for you to get in touch. It may interest you to know just how many other people have experienced the same things in those hills. In the end they were escorted back into the forest by the police so they could recover their camping supplies as they refused to go back in alone. A concentrated sweep of the area was carried out by 15 searchers and 3 tracker dogs with an extra 40 volunteers remaining on standby. I have uploaded a new video called Search for the Beast of Bolham Lake which has received a few comments from people who had their own strange experiences in the area to share. This report is from a man and his son who were staying at one of the boffies when they had a really strange night. The man contacted Fell Wanderer and said, I have a story for you. Myself and my son stayed at Mount Hooley bunkhouse around 2016. It was a November night and it was cold and dark out. He said it's college valet and it's known for that. Anyway. It was only me and my son in the bunkhouse, we had it all to ourselves. About 9.30pm we are outside chopping logs for the fire, when we hear a howl, and this howl got progressively closer to us and I reassured my son that it would just be a sheepdog as the valley makes sounds change and your imagination can kick in, I managed to scare myself. Anyway, after a while the howls got distant and less frequent. We sat burning logs and having a laugh till bed. The next day, after a heavy night, we had breakfast and set off for home. We came back the following year in the February, only to find the howling was a lot more distant this time and they happened less frequently. We returned with my cousin the year after and as a tradition we always walk on the helmhole prior to a big steak supper, a roaring fire and a beer. And As we approached Bizzle Crags in the snow, my cousin and I witnessed large Alsatian It looked like an Alsatian dog, and it was running away from us. We followed the tracks it left, and they disappeared, but there wasn't a soul around. We couldn't see an owner. My cousin's the most scientific non-believer there is. He doesn't believe in anything, and he witnessed it fully. We got drunk talking about it, but sadly fell asleep without knowing if the howling had happened again that night. Returned the following year, this time with a ten-strong walking parter, and three of us heard the howling. I've yet to return, but when I asked the locals and the bunkhouse owner about the howls, they claim they've never heard a thing. He went on to add, I was talking to a delivery driver from one of the haulage firms who got up the hills and fells of Northumberland on a regular basis. He told me a story about a similar thing that happened to him when I explained what had happened at the bunkhouse. He said he was with a walking group nine years ago and they all heard something and I think it was worse for them because it happened as the fog came in. The driver said you could distinctly hear something and it was a distant yet clearly audible sound. Anyway the party was 12 strong and he was a straggler at the back because he was having a fag and he was talking with the bigger lads in the group. He slipped, sprained his ankle, but as he fell, he cracked his knee off a stone, and he went down and he shrieked, and the group out in front legged it in pure fear, leaving the poor sod for nearly an hour on his own, before they mustered together and went in to find him. He said he was furious and scared, they got him down from the top, but they all agreed there was something up there with them. He went on to say, I spoke to someone who lives in the He who is an outsider. He runs a business in Seam. He bought and lives in an old windmill mill that sits near the river somewhere. He claims to have been walking his dogs when he saw something in the trees and when he went to investigate, there was a deer carcass that had been ripped open and a leg was pulled off. He reckoned it was a few days old. He also said his dogs just bolted back out of the woods towards home and he legged it after him. And after a few minutes of his heart in his mouth, screaming at his dogs they eventually came back. He told me the very spot he walked to and it's all in the same area where the house were heard. He loved telling us as no one believed him. They say he just spooked himself out because it was dusk and the sun makes shadows you know and he's an outsider. But I went wild camping on Corby Crags and I never heard a thing I was so disappointed. Now, very close to Mount Huley, there is another strange report made by a wild camper staying in the area at the Langley Ford. I'm unsure if these two events are connected in any way. I don't know. Um, and the witness at Langley Ford said there's a hill called Hedgehope in the Cheviot Step, and the Cheviot itself stands above a little farm called Langley Ford. Anyway. To reach Headchoke from Langley Ford, you have to go past a couple of crags, then over an isolated and properly desolate moor. Every time I've crossed that moor alone, I've had the sensation of not being by myself and I've heard out-of-face footsteps beside or behind me. Last time I was out there, one of the dogs set to furiously and it's barking at absolutely nothing. She's not that sort of dog at all. When I got home and had a proper look at the map, There appears to have been an ancient settlement there. Now my right hand man at BBR and our ground team leader is a gentleman named Stu Hill. Regulars may have seen him on our live streams. Stu had a very strange experience similar to Mick's at Bellum Lake. Stu was in Trunton Forest when he was witness to a very strange event. He was also overcome with a dreadful stench. Thankfully he was not alone as he had a friend along for the visit. Stu said, I had an experience in Thrunton Forest when I went there with a friend in June of 2015. My friend was from Australia and we travelled to Thrunton so I could show him the caves on the crags. We followed the red trail in and stayed in where it splits and then we joined the trail on the northern side. That trail leads up to the old part of the woods. I had no visual sighting as such when we were out there. We were just confronted by the most God awful smell and something came crashing through those bushes in our direction. The smell was truly disgusting and it appeared on the breeze from nowhere. It was kind of like a body odour mixed with wet dog, but also quite musky but worse. We were both puzzled and then we heard loud sounds and more heavy crashing moving away from us and the stink faded away with the noise. We came out and carried on up to the crag for the rest of the day. Coming back the same way, no trace of any smell or any noise at all. He said, "I'm up at Thornton Forest a lot, and sometimes you definitely know that something's watching you." I think we can all identify with that feeling, regardless of whether we believe in cryptids or not. A sudden sense of foreboding or an impending feeling of dread has been reported by paranormal, extraterrestrial cryptid investigators who all experience it. We don't give ourselves enough credit and we often see ourselves as very ordinary, but all of us have a built-in, oh shit, meter. Our brain and senses pick up on signals and triggers that make you go to flight or fight. It becomes a response, but you don't think about it, it just happens primarily. It's kept us alive in days gone by and it's a feeling we should all take seriously. I am sure most of us have experienced it at some point in our lives. Even on a simple hike or a dog walk we can be happily moving along when we suddenly feel watched, observed by a face unseen. How many times have you experienced it in the past? Now, I am a betting woman and I like statistics and they tell me there will be a percentage of you that have felt it more than once, meaning you have probably been watched more than once. On that note, spring has sprung and the woods and fields are coming back to life. The sun sets a little later every day now, well, on the days it comes up. Soon we'll be out enjoying nature's summer show. Listen to your gut when you're out there, and if you can't, keep an eye on your dog. They don't question their inbuilt warning systems, dogs don't feel silly, they simply react to a primal urge to leave, and leave fast. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's podcast, whether you are a regular listener or a first-time listener. I have certainly enjoyed my time here with you all. I'll be back again at the same time, same day, next week, and I'll be bringing you more tales from the cases of the BBR files. On Tuesday, 21st to the 3rd, at 8pm, GMT, we will be starting up our monthly live streams. I will be streaming from my new home, And introducing some of the folks I have been working on projects with over the last 12 months. We have lots of new exciting ideas planned for 2023 and I will also share those with you all. We will be having an open session where investigators you haven't met before share their experiences, thoughts and theories and I am sure you will enjoy it. Until then, please like this content, comment or share as it helps with the algorithms that run so many things now and check out the links in the description to all of our free social media sites where you'll find articles, videos, citing reports from all across the globe. Thank you for joining me tonight. I really appreciate your support. I'll see you next week, same time, same day. Good night everyone.